if we solve it in this way, would this be something that would be convenient for you to use? Right. Uh, and, we all, and we always try to think, you know, coming from, from a development background, like, would I be okay with it? Like, if, if the organization that I worked at would have implemented this solution, would, would I have any objection as a developer in the organization? And we try to make sure that it would be solutions that we would also want to use and that they don't cause any, you know, um, inconvenience to the developers. That That's always something you would want to avoid. And we, we want to let the developers continue to, to work fluidly. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax, and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley, in partnership with Leomitech, sponsored by Homeward Ventures, Hippo Insurance, Upwest Labs, Synergy Global, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, Birthright Excel, Serona Partners, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. We're back to engineering. Meet Ronen Slavin, co-founder and CTO of Psycode. Ronen is the co-founder and CTO of Psycode, a startup that secures software delivery pipelines and provides full visibility into enterprise development infrastructure, a serial entrepreneur and former Unit 8200 officer of the Israel Defense Forces. Prior to Psycode, Ronen co-founded Phylock, which was acquired by Reason Security in 2018, where he led the research in endpoint protection development. Ronen Slavin, welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. How are you? I'm great, Michael. How are you? Good. I'm excited that you're great because we're going to have a really fun and energetic 20-minute conversation. Um, what you're working on with Psycode as co-founder and CTO, I think, is, is really important. And it's important not just because you're solving an important pain point, but I think it's an interesting example of how a market is developing, a new profession is developing over a very short period of time. And, and, and we're introducing a new complexity of user experience and consumer behavior that with Psycode, you're looking to 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 help fix and help resolve and, and help developer, development teams become better. Obviously, we know that pretty much every company in the world now is becoming a tech company because yes. software is eating the world. And, and obviously, yeah. if you're helping make software better, then, uh, then Psycode is destined to eat the world, hopefully. Uh, Ronen, tell me a little bit about yourself. Uh, okay, cool. So uh, I'm Ronen. Uh, I'm uh, 33 years old. Uh, I live in Tel Aviv. Um, basically, you know, been uh, fascinated with computers since I was uh, a kid. So actually, uh, actually, I started my first degree during high school, um, sort of in the in the Open University. Um, then, when I was eighteen, uh, I, I pushed my army service for a year to to finish the degree. Uh, I worked in that time. Uh, actually, I got my first job as a developer at a company called Delta. I don't know of if course. you know them. Um, yeah, so they, they developed like the radar system for the Iron Drone. Yeah. Iron Drone. So it was a, a, a really cool job to have at 18. Um, then after a year, I joined the army. I was drafted uh, to, to 8200. Um, I did there in total about uh, a little more than five and a half years. Uh, started as a developer. Then I went to officer course, uh, came back, uh, started leading, leading a team, uh, growing it. And also did my master's in computer science during the army at that time. Um, then after these five and a half years, I left to travel a little bit, came back and uh, looked for my for my second job as a civilian. Um, so I started working at, uh, at NSO Group. It was about uh, seven years ago, six years ago, seven. 
Um, so mainly doing uh, research there for a year and a half. Um, then I left and opened uh, my first startup that was called uh, Firelock. Mm -hmm. um, the idea was that uh, any device can be hacked. So we wanted to build a solution that can protect data even after a device is hacked. Uh, so we ran for about uh, two years. Uh, after that, we were acquired by a company called Reason. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they developed a um, Windows endpoint protection solution for the consumer market. Uh, so I moved there and I worked on, uh, on the Windows endpoint protection and, and, uh, and the research uh, at Reason. Um, and then after about a year and a half also, I left and I opened Psychod. It was about uh, two years ago. Um, and I'm uh, still working on it. Going to work the company, yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. Uh, so software, and um, you know, tell me a little bit from your perspective, what, what has been happening? You've, you've been developing for quite some time and coding for quite some time. Yeah. What has, how, how has this industry evolved over the years to the point where we're at now where Psycode is relevant? So, so there's all kinds of factors that come contributed to it. Obviously, the first one you mentioned, it's software is it in the world. Like if we look at any company that became huge and any company that is sort of still relevant, um, they, they all the uh, companies that have very large development uh, organizations. So even if you look at McDonald's and things like that, they yeah. also do a lot of development and they invest in it a lot. And this, this is how they uh, sort of uh, evolve uh, to stay relevant and um, and that's one contributing factor to why software is hitting the world. So mm -hmm. that's one thing that happened. Um, and then if you look at the other trends that happened, so there's, um, there's this uh, DevOps trends or, or uh, GitOps um, that sort of change the way that, um, the way that we develop software. Uh, so if you, if you look at uh, companies like JFrog, they like their phrases, uh, make software development liquid. Yeah. Uh, so it, so it, it kind of changed like the, the classic approach where you had like the development environment that was separate. And then like you had a different environment for testing and, and you had all these manual transitions between the environments and, and all these inherent controls because of, of the processes that were there. Mm -hmm. um, that, that now we, we, we don't have them. Like the moment that you do something in the development environment, this whole notion of GitOps kicks in and it takes what you, what you just merged, builds it, test it, make sure that everything is okay, and deploys it to production. Mm. So sort of the barriers that we had between the stations are no longer there. Um, so now, like, first of all, the developers, they have much more power. Like, if you, if you are able to merge into, let's say, something that goes to production, so you simply can go through all the processes. Um, so I think these are the main two factors that, that basically, you know, made, made the importance of protecting software development environments and software delivery pipelines uh, and made it much more important. And then like we got evidence over the past years with many attacks that targeted these specific uh, scenarios and these specific right. places. So what I'm hearing, and I just want to make sure that, I'm, that I understood this correctly, you're saying there's two contributing trends to you know, the or origination of Psycode. One of them is the simple idea that software is eating the world and we can all agree on that. That, you, that not just the new companies are are software based, but also the, the the incumbents are now transitioning to technology, and we can see that from big pharma to to retail chains all the way to uh, insurance companies, right? And then the second contributing factor that you're mentioning is the fact that software developers are becoming much more autonomous and independent, having the power 
to deploy code themselves to production, especially as we're transitioning from monolith to microservices. And so software developers, there's not as many checks and balances, if you will, along the supply chain from, from the IDE all the way to the production, correct? Yeah, and obviously there's lots of benefits to it. I mean, you know, if you need to fix a bug in production, you can do it in a matter of seconds and you don't need to wait for a very tiring process. But on the other hand, like we need to make sure that we, you know, we, we give them the enough uh, protection and enough uh, uh, tools to, to be able to protect themselves and not to expose like the product or the code or, or whatever. Makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, tell me, you know, you're, so you're understanding this and you're sitting, you know, with Leo and with the team and you're figuring out, okay, what in the world are we going to, how are we going to solve this? Is, is the product, you know, you know, do you all agree on, on what you need to be doing or is there, you know, a discussion or ideation around this? So we, we started with, you know, sort of a brainstorming and getting, getting a lot of ideas on, on if we want to solve, you know, there's, there's lots of issues with, mm-hmm. with securing like software development and, uh, and the related systems. And obviously there's lots of solutions and lots of directions that, that you can take. So we start with brainstorming ideas, mm-hmm. but then the immediate thing we do after that is we start talking to uh, relevant clients, people that uh, work in security teams and organizations that have software development, uh, that have software development uh, processes. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ask them, like, is, is this, is this a, a, a concern for you? Is this a pain point? If we solve it in this way, would this be something that would be convenient for you to use? Right. Uh, and, we all, and we always try to think, you know, coming from, from a development background, like, would I be okay with it? Like, if, if the organization that I worked at would have implemented this solution, would, would I have any objection as a developer in the organization? And we try to make sure that it would be solutions that we would also want to use and that they don't cause any, you know, um, inconvenience to the developers, that that's always something you would want to avoid. And we, we want to let the developers continue to, to work fluidly uh, without interrupting them. By the way, how, you know, in, and I'm, I know that I'm jumping around a little bit, but if we're looking at the world of product-led growth and, you know, you're building, you're building a tool for developers by developers, how do you, what, what are some of the checks and balances that you have for yourself as, you know, CTO, but a, but a leader in this organization to make sure that developers do like the product that you're building, that it's not something that, you know, they're resisting to as it enters organizations? Uh, so, so obviously, you know, as a startup, these, these are things that uh, we sort of we mature at. Uh, yeah. So, so first of all, the main approach that we took is that, um, like, we don't want to teach developers to use a new product. We we want to integrate with the tools that they already use. And really, okay. if you look at if you look at the platform that's that's already out there, like, look, if you look at GitHub for example, right? Like, they have they already have like a mechanism that you can comment and you can interact, and there is like emojis, I don't know, right. whatever things like that in GitHub. So I use said, it all okay, the let's... time. The Perfect. emojis changed the whole the whole experience. I have to say, for me, it's gifts. I'm waiting for gifts to to get to get them. <laughs> um, so we so we look at it and we say, okay, let's let's try to use these existing um, these existing capabilities and and work with them instead of like re- creating a product that now the developers need to learn and then I need to log right. into and, and visit every once in a while. So really uh, collaborate with them. And obviously, it also ties back to, to what I mentioned earlier, that we, we simply ask them. We, we talk to the security teams. We, um, we, we ask them to, to, to work with the developers. I think it's also one of the trends that we see. Uh, for example, if you look at KubeCon, 
which was uh, uh, last uh, last month. So there, there was a lot of security in it in, in the conferences. That sort of the the origin of it is more is more DevOps or more development, and it's becoming clear that like security is not something that you can you know isolate from the developers. It's something that's becoming a part of of development itself, um, and something that that we all we all are uh, understanding right now and. We see the products responding accordingly. Going back to the to the the idea of you know developers you know having to take more ownership of their security as as you're building Psycode, you're watching the organization grow from pretty much you know few people to now you mentioned fifty people, more than half of them as engineers. You as the technology leader, how have you evolved? Do you think since the inception of Psycode up until now? So to me, I think like first of all, it's um, you know hiring very strong people. Like obviously, obviously, it's um, it, it, I'm not objective, but uh, like hiring top top talent and having uh, smart people uh, surround you and and and, uh, and in the company, um, we're very open at Psycho. Like we always wanna we always wanna hear uh, everyone's opinion. I mean, we, eventually we develop a product for developers, and we have developers in the organization, so. They have a lot of uh, obviously they, they can they can contribute a lot to the product. It's not something that is foreign to them. It's something that they live daily and and they and they all have really good ideas and and probably they they will be like the best uh, you know people to listen to when when we build the, this product. Um, so we we try to we try to lean on that as much as we can. Um, and obviously. Um, you know, being trying to keep this open mentality and just like you know sharing, uh, sharing whatever we can, uh, even connecting them with clients uh, whenever possible, um, and really closing this feedback uh, quick. And if you're looking internally with you and the engineers that that you hire and that you manage, you know what what how do you see yourself as a tech leader? What are some of the guiding you know the north star for you as in your communication and your decision making? So, so there's all kinds of aspects uh, related to building the product. So um, again, it's a it's a different discussion of like the responsibilities of the CTO versus the VP R and D, and like how do you divide these responsibilities. Um, we have a we have a very strong VP R and D here that he leads uh, the R and D the R and R and D group, and uh, you know obviously we started with some uh, some initial architecture, but he's he's leading uh, he's leading that uh, since then. And my part is more to sort of follow the trends in the market. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the activity that happened over the past year. If we if we look at uh, 2021, so there were really uh, critical incidents that involved the software supply chain. Uh, so SolarWinds is the first one, as you know, this is how the year started. Then you had CodeCov, you had an injection attack to PHP. There's all kinds of um, really devastating attacks that happened through the software supply chain, and uh, and the entire industry is now talking about what would be a possible solution. There's a framework that Google is starting to develop right now that is called Salsa, that, that is more like guidelines and things like that uh, on what you should do and how you should build the provenance. But I, I try to follow like the trends on that, understand where the market is going, where the industry is going, and then how we can incorporate it uh, into the product. Um, so that's sort of how we divide it. Well, then take me back before the Open University, you know, before... Uh, you become an engineer, middle school, elementary school, you know, 10 years old. What, what, in, what 
you know, where's your mind at? What makes you curious? What fascinates you as a kid? Uh, so I, I like to learn uh, new stuff. Um, and uh, I'm originally from Ashdod. If you know the, probably you know. Uh, so obviously there's, there's um, there, were, there were all kinds of programs, uh, you know, for, for children. So I think it was a major contributor. Like you go every Friday and, you know, we, we had some robotics, we had some even Japanese, I don't know, things like that. Um, but eventually the, the technical aspect is what, uh, is what I got, you know, uh, sucked into the most. And obviously I think, you know, as, as a kid, you're not, uh, you don't make your decisions on your own. Obviously, you know, my parents, they were a major contributor and, um, probably, you know, one of the, one of the main reasons that, that I, that I did it. And, um, and I, I have to thank them for that. It's, uh, it saves me a lot of time in the future. And if you look today at where you draw your inspiration from, you wake up every day and you go to, to lead Psycho, what, you know, where do you derive your inspiration? So, so first of all, I, I really enjoy it. I, I enjoy working with the people in Psycho and I enjoy working on the product. It's, it's super interesting to me. So uh, to me, like the inspiration comes with, with, uh, like from working with uh, awesome people and just really enjoying coming to work every day and uh, believing that the problem that we're trying to solve is critical uh, to us, we got approved this year. We opened Psycho the, about more than a year before Solar Winds and before CodeCov, and uh, a lot of the a lot of the uh, discussion that we see right now uh, are things that we were, you know, talking about uh, I don't know a year and a half ago, and it's it's a really great validation for us to see it coming from you know well-known organizations like Gartner and uh, and Google and, and uh, I don't know NIST and things like that. Uh, so to me, this, this combo of having awesome people with you and um, really believing that you're solving an important issue is what uh, drives me. I love it. And three words you would use to describe yourself, or two or four. Or two, three or four. Um, so I'm a technology, technology uh, junkie. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's two words. Um, but also I love to, I love to, uh, enjoy and have fun. <laughs> this will be the two. Ronen, best of luck with Psycode. I think it's, you know, an amazing timing. It's an, it's a real pain point that, you know, it's literally, I think just the, the concept of, of understanding how software is eating the world and, and the, the ripple effect that, that is going to have on our methodologies and the way that we work, just like, you know, I'm, I'm looking back at the industrial revolution and how people all of a sudden were replaced by machines and the way that now you develop machines is changing and, and how you have these inflection points where checks and balances have to be mitigated and, and you have that distance between optimization for speed and efficiency, but also the ability to make sure that you're doing everything properly. And, and, and I think it's just an exciting, exciting, time to be an engineer and exciting time to to lead a company like Psycode. So best of luck and I can't wait to follow the journey and thank you for the time. Yeah, I agree completely and thank you for having me. Uh, I really enjoyed. Have a great day as well. Thank you very much.